You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Hey, good morning. Hey, good to see everybody. If you have a bottle, let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, it's good to be uh, back with you. I had an opportunity to preach it um, in Memphis last week at Living Hope Church. You are dismissed, sir. Hey, speaking of Living Hope, this girl that was there, a teenage girl, drew me a picture while I was preaching of a dragon, and she gave this to me after it was over. Nobody here has ever drawn a picture of a dragon and gave it to me after it was over. Um, Hey, my name's Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to have you. If it's your first time with us, uh, welcome. Um, we are uh, in the series, uh, basically, what's it called? Christianity on the Ground Level. There it is. Going through the book of James. And uh, hey, if it's your first time with us, we really uh, are so thankful to have you here. Um, we hope that you go from feeling like guests to feeling like family just as soon as possible. Uh, there's a couple ways that you can get connected with our church. You can grab a Connect card over there uh, on that table. Whenever you leave, fill that out, hand it to me. You can go to our website. That's fellowshipparagold.com. We can learn more about us uh, that way. Or um, if you want to email me, uh, Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at fellowshipparagold.com, you can connect with me that way. And so we want to make it as easy as we can for you to feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel welcome, to be a part of this family. Okay, so again, it's, uh, it's, it's a delight to have you with us. We're going to be in James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 19. We'll read down to verse 27. Um, if you don't have a Bible or something on a device uh, that you can look at Scripture with us, we'll throw it on the screen for you. James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and then goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray together one more time. Father, we do thank you so much for your word that you have given us that is active and living and sharper than a two-edged sword. And we ask right now through your spirit that you will pierce our heart with this word, that you will transform us more into the likeness of your son. I pray for each person that is here right now in the midst of the busyness of life and the distractions, that those will just fade away and that we will be able to focus on who you are and what you have done for us in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I know we have some kids in here, so I'll be careful how I uh, say this. Um, my favorite part of school growing up was, um, well, when it was over. Uh, my, uh, my, my favorite subjects included uh, lunch, uh, physical education, and tennis. And uh, other than that, I really kind of felt like uh, school was a waste of time. I'm not saying, kids, it is a waste of time. You should stay in school. School is cool. I'm just saying in high school, I didn't think that was the case. And so I think it, it, it's really humorous that I end up marrying a high school English teacher 
which some of you didn't know that Megan used to teach English before we had uh, kids. But, I- you know, basically she, she taught uh, high school English, and she would come home, and she would be telling me a story, and she'd be like, you're not going to believe this. I was teaching class, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw some kid from the back of the room throw a paper wad into a basket. I'd be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, did he make it in the basket? And she's like, why does that matter? And I was like, well, you said he's in the back of the room. Like, that's got to be a pretty good shot. And she's like, what are you, 12? Like, I'm like, what are you, like, why are you interested in this? And then or she would talk to me about, you know, they'd be reading To Kill a Mockingbird, or they'd be reading some other book, or whatever else, and, and, uh, and she would say, hey, did you, did you, uh, you know, what was your favorite part of To Kill a Mockingbird, or what was your favorite part of this book, or that book, and I'd say, well, Megan, we didn't read books in, in my English classes, and she's like, Jared, I highly doubt that. I was like, no, really, we didn't read books, and then one day we ran into my high school English teacher, and she was like, yes, the class read these books, Jared did not, but yes, the class did, and so, um, and so, like, I, I, school wasn't really my thing, didn't really like it. There was a lot I actually disliked about high school. Uh, but the thing I disliked the most, and a few of you went to high school with me, so you can vouch for this. The thing I disliked the most was, uh, was the work, right? Because the work is where the rubber hits the road. The work is where you have to take what you know and show that you really do know it and can apply it. And plain and simple, this is the way school works, in case you have never been, right? Um, if you can do the work... You pass the class. If you can't do the work, you fail, right? Because what the school wants to know more than anything is not that the information is just up here in your head, but that you can take what you've been taught and you can apply it to your life. And, and you see, the reason I share that is the same is true when it comes to the Christian life. When it comes to our relationship with God, He has given us instruction. He has given us His Word, right? He, he has given us, He has taught us, right, uh, His very own wisdom. He's imparted it to us. And He hasn't given us, He's saying, simply so we can know His Word, but He wants us to be able to actually do His Word. He, he wants us to be able to take what He is teaching us and apply it to our lives. And, and you see, this isn't just something that we see in the book of James. Uh, James's older brother, Jesus, said the same things. In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Blessed are those who not only know the Word of God, but do the Word of God. See, this Bible, you have to understand this morning, it's not just a book about God, right? It's not just a word about God. It is a word from God. And it's a word from God to us. And what Jesus is saying and what James is saying is is God doesn't want us to simply memorize this word. He wants it to, to fall into our hearts and then work itself out into our everyday lives. And one of the reasons I love the book of James is because he is going to show us very practically what this looks like on the ground level, okay? And and so I want you to notice, though, in verse 19, before he tells us practically how this should be working out in our lives on the ground level, look what he says here. In verse 19, he says, know this, all right? Pay attention to this. There's something you need to embrace. Know this, my beloved brothers, I want you to notice this morning, before James ever tells us what to do, he tells us who we are. He he says to the people that he is writing to, you are my beloved brothers. In other words, you are a part of the faith family. You are adopted sons and daughters of God. He has already set his love on you. Not because you have done these things I'm about to tell you to do, but because of what Christ has already done for you. Right before James ever gives us any activity, he reminds us of our identity. Before he ever tells us what to do, he says, this is who you are. You are God's children because of the work of of Christ. You were already accepted by him and loved by him. And you see, you have to get that this morning. 
Because if you don't, listen, if you don't get that, if you miss this, you will spend your life working for the love of God rather than working from the love of God. And you will therefore miss out on the joy and the life and the peace that comes from having a relationship with Him. James says, before I go any further, you've got to get this. You need to know that you are accepted, not because of your work, but because of the work of Christ on your behalf, because He lived a perfect life you could never live, and He died a death that you deserve to die for your sins. And then He rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, and hell. He says, if you have trusted in this work, Right? If you have trusted in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, you can have full assurance now, no matter what you do or don't do, right, that God is your Father. And there is nothing you can do to make Him love you more, and there is nothing you can do to make Him love you less. We've got to get that this morning. I, I think about it like this. Um, I have two children, right, Nora Kate and, and Wyatt. And um, my children are my children not by their worth, but by their birth. Does that make sense? And so my love for my children is not connected to their performance for me. And so, for example, my daughter, I think I've told you all, has started dance classes. And uh, the last couple weeks, she has not paid attention to her teacher at all. Not sure where she gets that at. Probably her mother, right? But she's not, um, not listening, not, not following instruction very well. And so we've disciplined her for that. We've said, look, if you get in trouble at uh, dance class, you're going to get in trouble at home. Uh, this is your authority figure. This is your teacher. Whatever she says you need to do, you need to, to do that. You need to obey her. Okay, we've, we've talked to her about that. But listen, not once have I got down on one knee in little Nora's face and said, now listen, Nora, if you will actually listen to your teacher today, Daddy will love you. Right? Not once have I got down and said, if you will do what's right, your Daddy will accept you. You can be my daughter. And if you don't, Nora, if you keep disobeying your teacher, guess what we're going to do? We're going to put you up for adoption, little girl. Right? Like, if I did that, would I be a good dad or a bad dad? I'd be a bad dad. Why? Because my performance, or my, my love for my daughter is tied to her performance. You perform well, I will love you well. If you perform poorly, I will love you poorly. Guys, listen. Good news this morning. That's not the way God works. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, even this is the Old Testament, right? Sometimes we think of an angry Old Testament God, right? But, but in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 7, God says to the people of Israel, I chose you because I wanted to choose you. I, I love you, not because of something you've done, but because I love you. And the same is true for us today, right? God loves you simply because he loves you, right? He saves you, not because of something that you do, but because of what Christ has already done for you. And so here's what that means. If that's all true, what comes next? We have to funnel it through this lens. It is here because a loving God has put it here for us, and it is not so we can earn his love, but it's for our good. So we can experience more of him. Does that make sense? We need to get that before we talk practically about what he wants us to do. So let's, now with that in mind, keep reading. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, look at this, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Um, how many of you in here have, have uh, planted a garden before? Let me see. Anybody? Okay. Several of you have planted a garden. This may come as a surprise to you because most of you think because I'm a pastor I can't use my hands, and that's pretty much true in every other area of life. But um, I have planted a garden before. In fact, um, the first year of Megan and I's marriage, uh, we tilled some ground, 
we bought some seed, and I called my grandma to, to head over to the house and show us how to plant a garden. And so she actually outworked both of us, but uh, we were able to, to plant a garden, and it was a lot of work, but here was the good news, right? We reaped a harvest eventually. We were able to, after because we planted the seeds, we were able to bring forth fruits and vegetables which we could enjoy. And what James is saying right here in verse 21 is this is God's intention for your life. The reason I preach the word, the reason he's given you this Bible, is because he wants it to be like a seed that falls into your heart and then eventually produces fruit that honors him. Now the problem is, that doesn't always happen, does it? The problem is there are times that we hear the word preached, or we read the word, and we experience little to no transformation. We don't see fruits flowing from our lives. We don't see things changed. And what James actually tells us here is there's several reasons for why this may be the case. And the first thing he says in verse 19 is the reason some of you maybe are not receiving the word is basically because you're a bad listener. The reason some of you are not receiving the word is because you talk more than you listen. You always have something to say, something to tweet, something to post. There's always a story to tell, right? There's always something important you have to say. And listen, as a preacher, I know this is the pot calling the kettle black, right? Like, I struggle to be a good listener. And nobody knows that more than my wife, okay? And hopefully I'm getting better. But I know, like, early in our marriage, she would even be trying to talk to me and and tell me something, and I would be acting like I was paying attention, but I wasn't actually paying attention, and then she would pause, which would indicate, apparently she said something that needed a response, and I would just like be terrified, because like, oh, I don't have a clue what she said, and I'd be like, she'd be like are you listening? Like, absolutely, baby, I'm just processing it, just, pro- just thinking it's so good, you know? And it's like, now, like, she just knows, like, you weren't listening, like, you're right, I'm sorry. And so I, I hope I'm getting better at that, some of you wives can possibly relate with your husbands. Um, but a bad listener, right? It's like when you're talking, you can tell, what are they thinking about? They're thinking, I wish you would shut up so I could say what I'm going to say because it's more important than what you're saying. Or even worse, a bad listener or someone that while you're talking, they cut you off, right? And so maybe you're telling a story and you're like, yeah, so the other day we went bowling and they're like, and I got a turkey! And it's like, hey, like, this is my story, right? Like, like, we have all experienced this, right? We all know the bad listener. And if you don't know the bad listener, guess what? That means you're probably the bad listener. Okay? And what James is saying is the reason some of you are not receiving the word is because not only are you terrible at listening to others, you're terrible at listening to God. He's saying you want to receive the words, you want to receive, right, the scriptures, and you want to see a fruit flowing from your life. He says in verse 19, you need to listen more than you talk. You need to realize that God has spoken to you through his word. And he is still speaking to you today. Do you realize that even this morning, God has something to say to each of you? He does. God is speaking to you. But because of the busyness of life, because of our own expectations, because of whatever, right? Smartphones or, or, or TV shows or, or whatever, just our jam-packed schedules, many of us have tuned God out of our lives. We stopped listening. And James says this is possibly part of the reason why you're not receiving the word of God. For others, maybe it's not that you're a bad listener, but in verse 20, we see the reason you're not receiving the word is because you have a short fuse. In verse 20, what does James say? He says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In other words, the reason some of you are not receiving the word is because you've not dealt with your anger. Now, you're the kind of person that's like, people have to walk on eggshells around you. 
right? You're super sensitive. You're always getting your feelings hurt. And then you either lash out at others or you internalize it and you just say, like, I'm just going to hold bitterness and a grudge against you. Right? Like, listen, if that's you, the only person you're hurting is yourself. In Exodus 34.6, it's uh, quoted, do we have that verse? Exodus 34.6, if we don't, it's okay. It's the most quoted verse in all of the Bible, which means it's probably a pretty important verse for us to read. Okay, uh, Exodus 34.6 says this, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Some of you have this view of God that he's always teetering on the edge of anger, always waiting for you to mess up so he can just stomp you out. Though God does have a wrathful side, though God does have a righteous anger, listen, the Bible says he is very slow to anger. He is slow to anger. And if we want to experience the word, if we want to be transformed by it, guys, the same must be true of us. Maybe some of you don't struggle with, with poor listening. Maybe you don't struggle with anger. But in verse 20, we see that maybe the reason some of you are not receiving the word of God is because you are the compromiser. It says in verse 20 that we are to put away all filthiness. Not some filthiness. We are to put away all filthiness. Maybe the reason some of you are not receiving the word and experiencing the fruit that comes from that is because there are some sins that you can't stand but there are other sins that you're actually okay with. Now, for some of you, the reason you're not growing in the Word is because you look at some people for their sins and you look down on them for it, but then you justify your own sinfulness. A and you say, oh, well, this is okay. I mean, after all, right, not everybody's perfect, right? We all need the grace of God. And you need to know what James says, man, you, you want to grow, you want to experience fruit in your life. You can't just pick and choose parts of the Bible that you want to obey, guys. You can't pick and choose. This is all God's word to us. We can't say, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually give you porn. I'm going to stop looking at porn, but I'm not going to stop flirting with the girl at work. You can't do that. You can't just say, like, like I'm going to give you my bitterness, but I'm going to cling to my money and handle it however I want to. Uh, you, you can't compromise these things. And listen, I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. But there should be a real intention here for us to say, okay, what is God's word? I want to know this word, and I want to be sure and apply it to my life. But some of us, we're not receiving because we're compromising, and we know that we are. Maybe for you, though, you say, okay, I don't struggle with listening. I don't struggle with anger. I'm not compromising that I know of in any area, at least not intentionally. And so maybe for you, the reason you're not receiving the word is you've become a know-it-all. Maybe because you're the oldest person in the room maybe because of your education, maybe because of your resume, maybe because your mom or someone said you're special, right, and like you're brilliant. Like I don't know what it is, but for some of you, you like, you've come to a place in your life, though you would never say it out loud, you really don't think there's anything else anybody can teach you. This makes you an incredibly prideful person. This makes your heart incredibly hard, and therefore you're not able to really receive the word and see it take root into your life and produce fruit that honors and glorifies God. What we need to be reminded is, James says to us in verse 21 that we need to receive with meekness the word of God. We need to receive with meekness this word of God. You want to know who the, the most mature Christians are? It's not the person that says, I've arrived. It's the person who remains humble 
and hungry for God's word, realizing there is still so much to learn. And as a result, they receive and they grow as a result. So the question I want to ask you before we go any further in this text is, is where are you? Are you receiving God's word? Are you seeing it transform your life and your marriage and your parenting? Are you enjoying God more? Are you seeing the fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and and gentleness and self-control? Are you growing in these things? Are you more like Christ this year than you were last year? If not, stop and ask yourself, why is that? Is it possible that you've become a bad listener? Even now, it's just, it's, it's just, you know, just naturally just want to tune out, tune out, tune out. Right? Is that you've become a bad listener? Is it that, that your anger is tripping you up? Is it that maybe you're compromising? Or that your pride has gotten in the way? Whatever it is, listen, guys, you don't have to sit in guilt and shame. Right? I'd encourage you to, to repent of this, to give this to, to Jesus, to know that God has given us this word, right, not to beat us up, but because he wants us to receive it and experience, he says, right, salvation. He wants us to experience the life that we are all longing for. And so recognize this, admit it, and then give it to God so that you can know and receive the word. But as we said in the beginning, right, it's not just enough to know and receive, as we see in verse 22. Uh, God doesn't just want us to know his word. He wants us to do his word. Uh, imagine it's trash day at your house. I don't know when trash day is for you all. For us, it's uh, in Carriage Hills, it's, it's um, Mondays and Thursdays, Okay. Imagine it's a trash day, and um, you're heading to work, and your kids are home for whatever reason. Maybe it's a uh, spring break, or it's a summer, or whatever else. And so you leave a note for your kids, and you say this, Hey, I love y'all so much. So thankful that you're my children. In fact, I can't wait to come home and, and eat dinner with you and play with you. I love y'all so much. Hey, but guys, remember, today's trash day. And so I want you to be sure and get the trash out before the trash man comes, okay? Love mom or love dad. See you soon. And imagine you go off to work and you come back and you notice the trash has not even been touched. It's still exactly where it was, right? So family meeting. Kids, come here, please. Kids, did you get the letter I left you? Now just imagine it goes like this. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Actually, Dad, it was a fascinating letter. I mean, the penmanship was spectacular. Uh, the way you structured your sentences, whoo, man, that really got me. It moved me. In fact, it moved me so much, we had our friends over to study the letter. We even got on the internet and, and researched, like other countries, how kids take out the trash, and what do they do? Right? And we got, like, I mean, we've, we've even written some essays on it. You want to see, Dad? Like, we're even going to think about starting a website about kids that take out trash for their parents, right? Like, we are excited about this letter. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to look at my kids and say, I think you missed the point. I didn't give you the letter just so you can know the letter. I gave you the letter so you would do what's in it. And, and you see, that's what James is saying. God has given us a letter. He has given us His Word. And He doesn't just want us to know this. He wants us to do what is actually in the letter. That's why He, he says right here in verse 22, He says, Be doers of the Word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Then look at this. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be what? Blessed in his doing. Let's see a show of hands. How many of you today, be honest, how many of you today looked in a mirror? Show of hands. How many of you looked in a mirror? 
Every one of us that I can tell looked in a mirror, okay, except for one. Um, every one of us looked into a mirror. We have mirrors everywhere. We have mirrors in our bathrooms. We have mirrors in our cars. If you're a, a lady, you might carry one in your purse. If you're a dude and you carry a mirror, that's cool too. <laughs> um, and what James says to us is this. He says, if you just look into the Word and you don't do the Word, you're like a person who looks into the mirror and then forgets what you look like when you walk away. It's an interesting picture. So it's kind of like this. It's like, imagine if I walked in today and you said, hey, Jerry, just out of curiosity, what did you see in the mirror when you looked today? It'd be like me saying, oh, I saw a guy with jet black hair, um, clean shaven, and basically built like the Wolverine. You would be like, strike three, buddy. Like, you're nowhere close. Like, you don't look anything like that. That's really odd. You need some help. James is saying it's just as weird for us to do that with God's word. He said it's, it's, it's a mirror. He says it's just as strange. He said this is what it's like whenever we look into God's word, we hear a sermon preach, and we do nothing about it. He said when you just come to the 930, and you hear this, and you receive that, but you don't act on it, it's like looking in a mirror and forgetting what you look like. Right? You get to another Bible study or another fight club and you don't actually apply what you are learning. It's like looking into the mirror and forgetting what you look like. And, and guys, listen, can we just be honest? Like Sometimes it is hard to apply this to our lives. Amen? I mean, are there not some mornings you read this and by lunch you forget what you read? And I mean, are there not some Mondays that you totally forget what was preached on on Sunday? Are there not even sometimes, if we can just be honest, that we read this and, and we say, man, I don't want to do that because that's going to take sacrifice. That's going to take hard work. Are there not times that you read this and you say, man, that kind of convicts me, so I think I'm just going to shut that and put it away. Right? We need to remember it's like a mirror. What's the point of a mirror? A mirror reveals our flaws. It lets us know if our hair is messed up. It lets us know if we have food in our teeth. It lets us know if you're like, if you're a lady, right, you haven't rubbed your makeup in, right, or whatever else. The point of the mirror is to reveal flaws. Why? So that you feel terrible about yourself? No, so that you can make the proper adjustments. The same is true when it comes to the Bible. The Bible is a mirror, guys, and it doesn't just show you what's on the outside. It shows you what is in your heart like nothing else. And there are some things when you read this Bible you're going to be confronted with you're not going to like. But the point is to see those things, to thank God for showing them to us and then making the proper adjustments. So that, as it says in verse 25, what's the result? We will be blessed. We'll be blessed. We'll be fortunate. We'll get to experience the life that God has created us to experience. I heard of an article recently about the fattest people on the planet. And um, there are some people up to 1,000 pounds that are living here on earth right now. And um, they literally can't get off the couch, and people have to come and feed them their food. And so it's like when you just kind of get this image, of just like, oh, like it was like sitting there like, people literally are just feeding them, and they can't do anything about it. And I started thinking about that this week, and I thought, man, that, that is kind of a picture spiritually of a lot of Christians in the religious South who show up each week and say, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And it's like I look and say, can you even get up anymore and do anything that God's called you to do? Some of us have become so spiritually lazy and spiritually fat, we thought that information is the same as transformation, and it's not. 
God does not just want us to come and be fed. He wants us to take what we are being fed, and He wants us to exercise it. He wants, it to, he wants us to work this out in our lives. And, and just to be clear, right, James, again, he's not saying that, that you need to do these good things so that you can experience salvation. He's not saying that you are saved by these good works, but he it does say clearly in here, you are saved for good works. He is saying clearly in here, when you experience true salvation, there should be fruits flowing from your life. And then comes one of the most convicting parts of the entire message. Again, James is trying to be incredibly practical. He says, what are some of the fruits that should be flowing out of your life? Keep in mind, he could have said anything here, but inspired by the Spirit. Look what he says in verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. You ready? You know how you have true salvation? This is God's word. To visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James says, you want to know how your salvation's real? You want to know how you've, the word of God has taken root in your life? It begins to produce fruit. And what are the two fruits he points to here? You love the poor and you're growing in holiness. Now, Listen. These things probably seem totally detached from each other. But if you will read in the Old Testament, all through there, woven through the Old Testament, is God saying, you want to know how your faith isn't a sham? You want to know how uh, your salvation is real? You have compassion for the poor, and you pursue holiness. In fact, in Amos 2, we don't have time to read it, but God pours his wrath out on Israel. Why? It says in Amos 2, go read it. You neglected the poor, and you've defiled my name. And you see, this doesn't change in the New Testament, guys. I, I wish we had time. You want a gut check this morning or this afternoon, go read Matthew 25, 31 through 46, where Jesus literally says, you neglect the poor, probably going to spend eternity in hell. Not because you lost your salvation, but because you never really experienced it. Matthew 25, again, write it down. Don't take my word for it. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And also this idea of holiness, you know, when we come to the New Testament, we say, well, hey, you know, we're in an age of grace now, so we can get by with more. The reality is, the standard of holiness did not lower with Jesus, he raised the bar. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, Peter just straight up says, pursue holiness, be holy as God is holy. So how are we doing today? Do you really have compassion for the outcast? for the poor, for the person who cannot increase your status, get you a job promotion, or do anything for you whatsoever. Do you have compassion for that person? Do you love them? Are you really pursuing holiness, or are you still compromising? Maybe some of you would have to say, yeah, man, I, I'm compromising on some things. Yeah, to be honest, I have very little compassion for the poor. And so the question then is, what do you do about it? Because you can't just flip that switch, can you, today? You can't just be like, okay, love the poor switch. Pursue holiness with joy. Let's do this thing. Right? So what are you going to do? Well, what religion would say is this. Look to yourself. Look deep inside of you. Try harder and be better. What the gospel says is, no, you're not going to change by looking to yourself. The only way you're going to change is by looking to Jesus. And what we need to look at is this. What we need to be reminded of in the gospel today is this, is that Jesus Christ Look down on each of us when we were absolutely lost and without hope. He looked down on us and we had nothing to give him. And rather than walking past us, you know what he did? He took on flesh and bone for you. And he walked on this planet 
And unlike any other human being, he walked completely unstained from the world. He never sinned, not even once. And then he went to the cross and he gave up everything that he had. He literally gave you his entire life. He, he said, I'm willing to take your filth and your stains on the cross so that you can receive my righteousness. So that you can receive my perfect record and you can stand before God now holy and blameless and accepted. That's what Christ did for you. He, he went to the cross and he said, I am going to in this moment be treated the way you deserve to be treated for your sins. So that when you trust in me, you can be treated for all eternity the way I deserve to be treated for my perfect record. This is what Christ did for you and for me. So that now when we sit here, no matter what you've done today, this morning, last night, no matter what you've done or haven't done, guess what? If you're in Christ, if you have trusted in his life, death, and resurrection, where you sit right now, you can know you are not an enemy of God. You are his beloved child. And he loves you perfectly and unconditionally. And you can know that if you are trusting in him, that when you leave this world, you will not leave with, with nothing. You will leave knowing that you are going to receive the glorious inheritance that is set aside for you by God himself. Only whenever that becomes real in your heart, I'm telling you, not just in your head, only whenever you take that truth and you apply it, you can do it today. When you take that truth and you apply it, only then can you with joy give to others who can give you nothing back in return. Only when you receive this gospel in your heart can you pursue holiness with joy knowing that it is for your good. Only whenever you take this gospel into your heart can you know that when you fail, not if you fail, but when you fail, that you will still be loved before God and accepted. Not because, again, of your perfection, but because of Christ's perfection on your behalf. I don't know where you sit today. Maybe some of you have been in church your entire life. Maybe for some of you this is your first time in church. The reality is every single one of us sit here right now in need of Jesus. No matter what you've done or you have not done, know this, please know this. We all stand in need of Jesus and he is faithful. And if you will go to him with your sins right now, he will not condemn you, he will forgive you. And he will love you. He will wrap you in his righteousness. And the Bible says he will empower us with his spirit to live the life he's called us to live, a fruitful life that is for our good and for his glory. I'm going to ask that you stand with me this morning. As our band comes and those who are preparing communion come forward, we're going to pray together and we're going to worship through one more song. This is our time to respond. This is our time to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers. So I ask that you close your eyes, that you bow your heads, and let's just take a moment. Let's not be the man, let's not be the woman this morning who looks in the mirror and turns away and forgets what he just saw or she just saw.